Once again, everybody, and welcome to The Parlay. I am your host, Damian Dean. Hope everyone is doing well. Stand by. So we'd like to welcome you to The Parlay. It is Tuesday. And uh, for those of you that are just joining us, and this is your first parlay, we'd like to welcome you aboard. I, I am super excited tonight to have my brother Amika holding it down. This brother is doing it big. From in Arizona, I'm, I'm going to have him give his background. I'm so excited to have him on board of the parlay. I'm actually going to be uh, running one of his doors and hopefully future events as well coming up. Got an event coming up on the 28th at the W Hotel in Scottsdale. So I'm excited. Amika, what's going on, my brother? So correction to the uh, venue. The venue is actually downtown. We like to stay downtown. So we ah, okay. <laughs> Switch that up. Downtown. <laughs> Phoenix is how we do. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tony, nice seeing you. It's been a minute. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Emeka, uh, African, West African. I moved to Arizona and decided to change the culture, challenge the culture out here. So um, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to, to dive into and make this a community um, conversation with everybody here because I know the Poly Network is where it is. Um, I've missed you guys because I've been busy almost every Tuesday. I have a meeting with my team. So that's why I haven't been able to join um, the last few weeks, but I'm here and uh, I'm excited. So Damien, how do we proceed? But you know what? There's so much going on. So this is how it works. So for those of you that are just yeah. joining us, I know there's a lot that are, that are a lot of new people that are on here. Um, this is what the, the parlay is all about. Every week we have different topics. We talk about social issues, whether it be uh, relationship issues or uh, e economic issues. I mean, we bring on special guests like my Amika uh, for the Let's Parlay With series. We have two more guests for this year and then we're, we'll be starting second season in 2022. So uh, Amika, I know you're gonna be taking over uh, on this one here, talking about the, uh, your, your culture curator, um, so, so go ahead, Amika. Let's let's just jump right into it. Talk about your background. Let people know who you are, and uh, let's go ahead and get things moving. Perfect. So, for those that don't know me, uh, I'm a maker. I curate events uh, in Phoenix intentionally um, to shake up the culture. You know, um, I feel like when I moved to Phoenix, I came here for school. Um, just like most people here, I, I try to get out, but for some reason, I felt like there was there was a lot of opportunity here. So. But for me, I still needed that culture, you know, um, which is something that determines for the most part where we end up and where we call home and where we enjoy, you know. The first thing people look for in a new place is, is culture, right? It's the, and when they say culture, they, they're thinking of something familiar. Every place has a culture, right? Um, it's whether or not we find something that we can identify with, that we can vibe with. Um, so when I moved here and decided to stay, I was looking for that. So I used to travel to LA, to, to Atlanta, to, to uh, Houston, AKA Second Nigeria, um, to go look. <laughs> <laughs> it's, if you haven't been to Houston, it's like Nigeria. Um, to look for, for culture, to look for something that, that kind of vibe with me and I couldn't find that. Uh, you know, the only option I had was to go out of state. Um, so on one in LA, one of my friends asked me, he's like, well, if you don't have it there, why don't you create it? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you know African culture. 
you're, you're an expert in African culture, you're very familiar. Why don't you create, you know, something that can march both cultures together? And when he said that it's African culture and, and African-American culture, right? Um, because is this uh, unspoken, you know, battle between Africans and African-Americans? And most of it is because of lack of understanding, right? Um, we don't properly understand the culture and they don't properly understand our culture. So that's how Legos Fitness, which is my brand was born. Um, so before I start though, like just, just raise your hands um, and Damien, you can help us with this. When, when I say culture, like what are things that people look for when they go to a place, visit a place, what are some things that come to mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's yeah. for culture. Yeah, let's let's spread it around. Gina, Gina, I see you on the parlay. I'm gonna go ahead and have Gina go ahead and respond. Culture, culture. What what do you think about when you hear the word culture? When I hear the word culture, um, culture encompasses so many things. I think it is, you know, what do people look like first of all? What do they wear? Because as soon as you land in a different city, I feel people look different. The city looks different. The architecture looks different. There's specific um, foods and flavors and perhaps even smells in the air and things like that. And then of course the, the people, how are the people? Because I am a firm believer of the people will make or break a place. So uh, one of the first things I try to do is, you know, chat with whoever, whatever, city or country I'm in to see what the vibe is. There's others on here. Let's, what do you think about when you think about culture? Yeah, it's interesting. When you travel, if you stay inside a resort, you tend to have the culture you came from. But if you leave the resort with security in certain areas or with tour guides in certain areas, and you go through the inner city and you ask somebody on the street corner, what's hip slick and cool in your area that's not a tourist destination? and you can get some culture. But if you stay within the confines of your um, five-star experience, I don't think you're gonna get the culture even though you're in the country. So I, I like to go outside and, and safely, of course, with a tour guide and go see what the community does on a day-to-day. And, and I've experienced that in France and in um, you know, Acapulco and obviously Hawaii is American culture, but there are some parts of Hawaii that you can really go deep, deep and get a deep dive of Hawaiian um, culture that's not Americanized. Love it, so, love it. Yeah, that's my yeah. experience. Tony, and real, quick, a, real quick, a follow up to Tony. What, what do you feel like as far as uh, changing or creating a culture of a place, like changing what a culture of a place look like? What is that impact? What, what kind of impact do you feel like that has? On an area. Are you talking about like wardrobe? Are you talking about? Um, I'm talking about the energy, the intentionally creating a culture, creating a new culture of a place like Phoenix, for example, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people come to Phoenix and they complain there's no culture here. There's culture here, right? Right. So when we, you know, when you go down on La, uh, La Cienega in Hollywood, you've obviously, you guys, a lot of you have spent time in Hollywood. When you go right. down in La Cienega, you actually get a little tiny block of Ethiopian food and experience, and you get to sit on the saw and you get to pick food up with your hand or with the kind of breading that's like a pancake and you don't get any utensils, that's just a small bit of culture in that one little tiny block. Or if you go down to, we have little subdivisions in, in Hollywood, right? You have 
little Armenia, little Japan, little Tokyo. You have, uh, you know, Chinatown. You have, you have um, Overa Street. And you get a little sample of the culture, but it's it's just really confined in L.A. So, but that, I think it's just, you have to do, eat the way they eat, speak the way they speak. And when you go to France, a lot of French don't like Americans because we, we everything's big and we want it now and we want it fast and we want to get in and out, but they want us to stay there for two, three, four hours and make it an experience. Yeah. Americans usually don't know that. And that's why we're not well-received in France. So you need to know the culture you're going to and, and get rid of what you're bringing and learn what they're offering. Yep. And that's my, my experience. Oh, I, I was just going to uh, piggyback actually off of what Tony said. Um, I was reminded of an experience that I had while traveling in uh, Gambia. Um, I, I was within the resort there in Gambia, but as soon as you went outside, it was, it was completely different. Um, and I was just going to recall, uh, you know, a dinner that I had, which, um, was, was enjoyed with, you know, like seven, seven or, or eight other people, everyone ate with their hands and everyone had a really good time. It was, it was great. No, that's great stuff. Great stuff. Others, others as well. Culture, culture. What comes to mind? What comes to mind? I see Marcy. Well, Marcy. As the others have been saying, it's the food that will start a culture. Look what the Chinese people do. They open a restaurant. As soon as they go, the Chinese, the East Indians, they get into an area and they open restaurants and they open one and they open their own stores. And pretty soon it just multiplies and you get Chinatown and you get little Tokyo and you get little Armenia or little Ethiopia. So I do feel food is very important. Everybody loves to eat and people like to get together to eat. Yeah, yeah. I have found though that wherever I go, I take who I am. I'm very surprised if I, I go to a place and I see an English tea house and I thought, great, I'm in England. Or I find a Jamaican restaurant and it, it really thrills me. And I remember once I went from California to New Jersey, Princeton, and I, I packed a lot of books. I was going for a job, long-term job, and I packed a whole suitcase of books because I thought, oh, I'll catch up on my reading. Well, I got there and I never read one of the books because my accommodations was over a library. For me, library is heaven, okay? It was, I couldn't have imagined it. They had a library, so my room was above the library which was open 24 seven. They also had a swimming pool, which for me is also heaven and a tennis court. I was at home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and the reason why I asked that question is because those are some questions that I asked before I jump started this project was what are the impacts of us trying to infuse a new culture, our culture into Phoenix? You know, what are the impacts of trying to introduce people to African culture here in Phoenix that already has some form of culture, right? So um, one of the things that we did was a fashion show that had food, it had fashion. You know, we started it um, about three hours before the actual event to give people time to mingle and network and talk about it. And we used, you know, we planted people around the entire venue that knew about what we were doing. They knew they were very knowledgeable. And it took <laughs> off. It became like this thing where people from 
Maybe I should talk about African culture. Maybe I shouldn't wear African clothes. Maybe it's cultural appropriation, you know, like um, to, hey, if I wanted to wear this, how do I properly wear it? If I wanted to go to African restaurant, what should I order? What should I ask, right? I mean, it's no longer something that you're afraid to offend somebody. It becomes a curiosity. You want to learn and you start to seek, you know, different things to a point where I think about 40% of everybody that attends our show now are non-Africans. So we had a show in uh, 2019, three-day show that was uh, 2,000 people every night, you know, so that the press room, um, and it was that, it was just that, like just seeing people come together and learn about, because I have a partner, uh, Tony C, that's, uh, that's Asian, and co-founder of uh, Local Buzz. I think he's probably familiar with it. He comes and he talks about Asian culture. You know, we did a Phoenix Night Market together. So for me, I, I just kind of realized in that process, like, okay, so I can go wherever I want to go, be open-minded about the culture of the place, learn about the culture of the place, but I can also bring, respectfully, bring my culture and build something that I'm familiar with, right? Yeah. Without offending the people around me, without, and that's what Tony was talking about earlier. And I, I experience this every time. Uh, France is one of the places that I stop on my way to Nigeria. Um, and you can tell the Americans right away as soon as you land in France, because we don't want to like Americans. We don't want to learn the language. We still want people to speak English to us, right? Um, and we still want food that are like, this portion, you know, we want everything right now. And if you know friends, they, they, they take time, you know, it's all about the experience rather than the item that you ordered. It's about that, you know, you go to a restaurant, it's the whole experience, you know, um, rather than just the food, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you're coming on board. Uh, you're in for a surprise. So this, this coming weekend is not decided about the 28th. Um, we're doing this, this thing called Fashion in the Sky, which is one of the series that I started uh, about last year, actually, right? Last December. Last year. December. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's basically half African designers and stylists and half non-African designers and stylists. And we match them together in a show. And it's this beautiful experience where you see culture in display. You know, because the reason why we're not receptive to other people's culture is not that we don't like it, because we don't know, yeah. right? We don't you know. know. What I want to say, too, is that, uh, Amika, man, I really appreciate you bringing me on board. And for those of you that um, have met me in Hollywood and know my track record of running, you know, uh, red carpet events and so forth, the doors, um, I'm just so, it's a blessing to be a part of this actual situation in AZ. You know, with Amika and his all his his contacts. I'm and, excited uh, to have you aboard. Thank you, man. And uh, it's just exciting. I'm 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 super excited. Um, I know you're doing big things out here, and uh, yeah, man, it's just it's game time. Um. So again, my thing is this: we're looking for things that we can identify with. You know, don't be afraid to build your own curate, your own little culture regardless of what that is. I don't know what that looks like for you. It's different for every single one of us, 
I see Tony ha having a question too. Go, go, go ahead, Tony. Go, go ahead. I'm just filling the space because I know the technology. But here's a quick <laughs> question for you. Um, obviously, I'm a, a Caucasian male. Is it okay for me to wear a dashiki if I go to an African American or an African event, or is that insulting to the culture? Oh, that's a, that's that's a good one. Let's go, let's go, parlay, let's go. So, is it offensive if I was to wear a dashiki? And I get that question a lot. Okay. Let me let me answer that question for you because I come from a business perspective as well. Because most of the people that we work with, the designers that we, we work with, those are businesses, right? Um, people wear suits in Africa, right? Suits is not of African uh, uh, origin, right? So I, the way I feel is as long as you understand what you're wearing, it's not offensive. These designers are in business to sell to the world, to the entire world, not just Africans. You know, money doesn't have color. So you are more than welcome. And we sell it a lot and we see it a lot. And if you come on the 28, you will see that, you know, Asians, you know, everybody, Caucasians, everybody that's wearing, you know, um, dashiki, it's a, it's a fashionable event. So I encourage you wear it, just understanding. If you have a question, feel free to, to ask me, uh, but I don't see anything offensive in doing that. I love that, man. That, that's information I didn't even know. So that's a great question. Um, Tony, and I appreciate uh, Amika, you respond to that too as well. Brittany, I saw you raising your hand. You still had a question, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna respond to Tony. I think it really depends on your intent. You know, if you're coming to the event wearing a dashiki and also, you know, putting on blackface, you know, that 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 says something completely different. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yep, we never, ever, 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 ever even do that nor think about that but a it's, 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 it, it's crazy because stuff like that you know it, it still it still happens it does it still happens yeah but i can say i've wanted the shiki many 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 times with respect yeah. and understanding of the culture that's good stuff yep yep um i see gina raising your hand go go, go ahead gina yeah i feel that there is um it seems to be difficult for most people to accept fashion from other places but i think it goes back a lot to one's religion so if you're traveling you got to also understand what is the religious your main religion in the country that you're going to or the region that you're entering and it just you know like tony said be mindful and be respectful as to where you're going and one thing is to just go somewhere as a visitor as a tourist and another thing is going to live in another place because uh one thing that um you know i'm originally from germany i was born and raised in germany and germany has taken on a lot of refugees from other countries and in the recent uh, several years a lot of refugees from syria now people from syria have a complete different cultural background uh, you know, religious background. They're not used to uh, seeing women with, you know, showing their shoulders or showing their legs and generally skin and things like that. So they, they're running, you know, into a lot of problems because you cannot undo what someone 
has learned growing up. So, you know, this is a very interesting conflict. So uh, there's been uh, a year where, you know, uh, men from uh, these different cultures feel like that women who are exposing themselves and their own skin are disrespecting themselves and therefore, uh, you know, they're just like uh, free meat. So they're assuming that the women are not respecting themselves and they feel like these women are just, you know, you can talk to them any way you want to. I guess you could touch them and this and that. Although Western culture or German culture, it's just more liberal, right? The same like in California. I can't speak for all of America, um, but, but here, you know, people are basically half naked. It's hot here. I'm sitting in a coffee shop in the morning. The amount of ass cheeks I got to see, guys, it is mind boggling. And I'm not trying to see all that, but only to go uh, to say back to the statement, um, it really truly depends where you are, but it's difficult to, um, I, I think when it comes to, to those kind of things, to, to just accept and embrace, you know, and just to, to go back who was this earlier who said, when I was in Paris, Amika, you said it, when I was in Paris, you could spot the Americans. I spotted the Americans a long time ago uh, in Germany because it, it, it was always the white tennis socks and, and the big tennis shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, oh, guys. Love it, love it. Um, Marcy, I see you raising your hand. Go ahead, um, Marcy, take it away. Okay, back to Tony's question about marrying a dashiki. Uh, women wear kimonos, uh, they'll, Japanese kimonos, and feel okay about it. They'll wear Indian saris. Uh, there's some cultures, there's no handshaking, so, and no touching, not even to look at each other's eyes. I remember Michelle Obama made a big faux pas when she went to England, and, and she touched the queen. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. Somebody should have told her, but Americans are so used to in the before pandemic, hugging and touching and being uh, loving. They see it as, you know, she put her hand around her back. Well, they made a big uh, newspaper article about that. That's not allowed. So those are some parts of the culture. And I just want to say something about where you express your culture. Now there's some parts of the country and the world that are more receptive to foreigners and some aren't. Now, for instance, I'm thinking of moving somewhere. Okay, I'm thinking of moving to Florida, but I consider Florida a red state. I'm not sure that I wanna go live in Florida to give up my California liberalism and democratic blue state. So I'm very hesitant that I would go to Florida and um, not be that welcomed. So I think there are certain places that you may feel more welcome and some not, so. Good stuff. Well, you know, it's funny. We, we get brand confusion, right? We seem to think, uh, let's say McDonald's. You tend to think McDonald's is a fast food restaurant, but if you go to Hong Kong, there's actually a five-star sit-down steak house called McDonald's, which is the same brand, but it's a, it's a different experience in Hong Kong than it hit, and then, you know, going through the drive-thru and getting your coffee and, and Big Mac or your, you know, McMuffin or whatever you get in the morning. But so you, we, we need to do research when we're traveling for the customs and for the style and for the way not to offend 
the community that you're in. So again, back to parlay education. We, we need to, to educate ourselves and not just get on a plane and fly somewhere so that we can really experience the culture the way it's meant to be experienced. And I think it just comes down to uh, having mentors or educators or people that have been there that, that can share that wisdom as we do here on the parlay. So this is definitely a great topic for you world travelers. Uh, but I also wanted to say culture is changing here in America. I have what we mentioned before, triplets. And the girls are starting to let their arm hair grow and they're not shaving their arm hair to somebody. Look at you, right? Your response. That's, that's <laughs> hey, hey, I just wanted to kind of pull back a little bit. But my point is that is becoming very common in the teenagers, 18, 19, Correct. 18, 17, 18 year olds. Common, common, common. It's their well, point. They're letting their arm hairs grow. Oh, dude, you have no idea. You have, and you you can't say oh, anything man. to them about. Are you telling me? Do men shave their arms? I I have. I don't do it often, but I have before. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I see Brittany. Hey, look, look Brittany. Hot, hot topic. Brittany. Brittany's coming in here. Brittany, go I ahead. I just Brittany. want to say, let the hair grow. Power to the pussy. And <laughs> there I'll you go. <laughs> I knew hey, I had to hot button. The parlay for you, David. <laughs> have been held to a standard by men since the dawn of time. It's time that we decided what we were going to do with ourselves because- Do you guys shave your legs now or do you let that leg hair grow as well? What's that? Do you let, let your leg hair grow as well or just the arm hair? Well, in France, I'm the women do not shave at all. No legs, no arms, no nothing. In France? Sure, but for us, but for us it's, definitely, it's definitely a stereotype that women have to be shaved. You know, in, in this in this culture anyway. Right. You know, we got people raising their hands in this parlay. Amika, this is a hot topic. Big Ben, <laughs> welcome to the parlay. Go ahead, Ben. Definitely going to tread softly on this uh, subject. But I really do believe that sometimes women have their own beauty standards higher than men do. Because if you ask me, like, a chick is a little hairy, I wouldn't care. But say if you would ask another group of girls, they'd be like, oh, no, that's disgusting. So it kind of is, it is kind of case by case when it comes to those scenarios. I got you. Hey, that's a good one, man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You feel me? Yeah. I feel not, you. You know, whatever, whatever your beauty is in the eye of the beholder, whatever your standard is, take, yeah. take your poison, man. Exactly. Hey, there's Brittany. Go ahead, Brittany. Go ahead. I think, I think it's because, honestly, women have been brainwashed to think that we have to have our bodies have to be completely free of any kind of hair, that we have to have perfectly pruned eyebrows and we have to be, you know, a certain weight. Um, and, and, you know, women themselves have been brainwashed to, to think these types of things. And, and I, 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 I think that that's why you get a lot of people who, uh, who, who think that way and who think yeah. that you, uh, you have to be a certain type and, and, and they got to be pruned and, and, and all like this, because this is the message that's been fed to us for, for, for forever. Right. And they don't have to be right. Exactly. You know, I want to touch base, Amika, you know, you brought something up to me, bro. Um, I guess a, a few months ago about this, this topic. And, and, and this was super hot to me, man. Um, the difference between doing business, an African-American versus an African and how there's this separation, there's this line dividing that. But if you can capitalize on that, man, I, I thought that was, I had to tell my wife about that one because I was so like, wow, like that's deep, but go ahead, man. And kind of, kind of uh, drop on the parlay with, you know, your thoughts about that. Wow. So you're going to get me in trouble. 
Um, okay, so um, I think the, the good thing to just put something real quick, actually two points before I get to that, yeah. about social media is you can actually these days adopt any culture that you want. That's the good thing about social media. The world is a small place now. You can find out anything about any culture that you want, you know, whether you want to, you know, present yourself as, you know, the, the French do their women, whatever you want you are empowered to do that. And, that. and that's what social media is giving us. It's made the world a smaller place where you can connect with people from anywhere in the world, you know? Um, and as far as Tony, you saying, going to places and doing research. So when we have these events, we actually have um, uh, travel travel curators that come to, to the event. Like for example, I have a girl, she was born in Michigan. Once again, this is the parlay, everybody. Parlay, if you are not following us, please do so at parlayallday.com. Definitely doing it big every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right. So what I was saying is during every single event that we have, we have, you know, travel curators event, uh, that come to this, you know, or travel agents, I don't like to call them agents, um, that come to this event. And one of them is actually an African-American, born in Michigan, grew up in Michigan, but she's been to Africa more times than I can ever imagine in my life, right? And what she does is she does these classes where she, you know, she has different ones that are some for, some for single women, some for single men, some for couples, um, where she takes actually the group of people and she will introduce you to the culture. Like she will take you to a king's house to have dinner. She will take you to a tailor to get your clothes made. So those are some of the things that I feel like if you're traveling to a place that you're not familiar with, definitely plan to go with a group of people that know something about that culture. I like that. I like that. We got Uncle Sammy raising your hand. Sam Letcher, go ahead, Sam. Welcome to the parlay tonight. Okay. Hey, I'm just going to give you a, a story that happened to me. When I was younger, I did some mission work, and I was in Mexico. And when I got there, they wanted me to open up and pray. I had an interpreter. And I just got there, and I didn't have time to go to the hotel and change, so I had my slacks on. And the floor was a dirt floor. And so I open up in prayer and I'm standing up and everybody else is on his knees. And I'm, I was thinking the Lord don't matter whether I stand or get on my knees. But mm -hmm. afterwards I got this strange look. And by the time the service was over and I got back to my hotel, I found out that they thought, who do he think he is? Why he's not kneeling, why he's praying. So wow. that culture, I learned that you like to say you got to. I didn't check it out, but I didn't myself. I didn't think anything was wrong with it, but I offended the people and I had to apologize the next day. Yeah. That I offended them that I didn't kneel and pray with the rest of them. So yeah. I thought that's something personally that happened to me. So I thought I'd share that. That's big. I think it's big to where if you travel, like my wife and I, we like to travel. Um, and if you travel, we went to Thailand um 20 hour flight you know it was wow one way I, it was it was wild but i i think that when you travel you need to study and know what area you're going to 
I mean, I mean, wh whether you're going for a week or you're going for two weeks or even a couple of days, I mean, you have to know, I, I know there, there's some cultures where if you give the thumbs up or, or the, the peace sign, that's offensive, you know? And so you got to be mindful of that as well. Um, Tony, I see you, man. Go ahead. Well, yeah. And there's some cultures when you finish your food, they'll keep, keep bringing food and you need to understand your plate um, language. Like if your fork and knife are on the, the dish or if it's at the top of the dish or if, uh, it, like I said, if there's food in Greece, they'll keep bringing you food. You'll keep bringing you food. You got to leave food on the plate. But a lot of us were raised like finish your plate, but yeah, you'll explode. And there's other cultures that if you don't belch, you're insulting the chef. Yeah. And so there's there's things that are just foreign to us here in America that we need to understand about other countries. So research. But the reason I raised my hand was we did three documentaries. One was on people's identification based on their clothing. The other was based on their music and the other was based on their hair. And in the hair documentary, the girls would shave their head and see the way that the culture responded differently to them based on hair or no hair. And music, we had teenagers and we'd make them listen to music that they were not accustomed to, that they didn't enjoy and watch their personality change because they identified with their music. And then the third one being clothing, make them wear clothing that's not traditional for their age group and their their style. Right. And these people were losing their minds in the in the documentary. They literally were so connected to that identity, they weren't even aware of it. And so getting outside of your comfort zone is a, is a great social experiment to understand who we are and who we think we are. Mm -hmm. And and just like, you know, the Miller said, Mrs. Miller said, you know, who is anybody to tell a person what they can do with their body as far as hair and men demanding women being shaven? I 100% agree, like, do what is comfortable for you. But I'm seeing a 100% rebellion, a F you, we've done it this way forever. So this is almost to say, you ain't going to tell me anything, but right, right. I'm all empowering the person to do what you want, when you want, how you want, as long as you don't hurt me or my family, go for it. Yep. But, but the, where's that, where is that um, making a point and living life the way you want, you know, is there, is there a line there? Right. And I'm it's none it. of my business in all honesty, it's none of my business. Yeah. Yep. And I think the line is flawed at this point. And, and there's a big portion of it that we leave out. There's culture in business, right? There's, there's, there's different cultures do business differently, right? Some of them are more successful based on how they do it and some not so much, right? So things that I do, like today I'm wearing this black t-shirt because I wanted to make sure like it wasn't just, the conversation wasn't just focused on what I was wearing, right? So if I go to a place, for example, if I'm traveling alone and I'm like, you know, I need to network with people, I'll wear an African clothes, right? People will come up to me. People will say something. People will talk to me. Even the people that don't like my face, they will still talk to me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a strategy that I use for business. And, and again, when we do these events, we curate it so carefully to make sure those things are happening. You know, things like as simple as wearing a scarf, it changes how people approach you. Right? I like that, I, mean, I like that. Um, it changes how people approach you. You know, somebody told me just dress the way you want people to address you, you know. Um, but back to what Damien was saying, 
is I have this mentality from growing up where if I'm doing business, and most Nigerians are probably this way, not probably, most Nigerians that grew up in Nigeria are this way, is if you go into business venture and somebody says no to you and it doesn't work out, it doesn't pan out, you know, it fails, something, you don't give up. The idea of that is that, okay, I did something wrong. Let me trace my footstep back and try it again. Just like if you walked into your place and you try to open the door and the door's locked, you're trying to look for the key. You're not saying I'm not supposed to be in there. You're looking for the key and who has the key? Where did I keep the key? Who has the key? Where can I get in there? But this, this also like, and I've seen this, you know, whether it's a culture thing, whether it's, you know, brainwash, whether it's a systematic thing. Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that, you know. But I think, and this is where we need to build that bridge, is I've seen my counterparts where that's the ceiling. Like that door being locked means I'm not supposed to be in there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that for me, it's sad. And me along with a lot of people around me, we've been doing a lot to try to change that shift for the people that I have access to, right? Because I can't say that's a big, you know, project to say I can do that. But for the people that are around me, just saying, hey, have you tried to do this this way? Or have you tried it another way? Don't give up yet. You're supposed to be in there. Like I walk with that yeah. in my mind every day. Like mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be wherever I'm going. Like this, that's where I'm supposed to be. So if it doesn't work out, I'm gonna try another way. But my goal is that's where I'm supposed to be and I'm gonna get there. So um, as, as I travel, I also, you know, from my Asian counterparts, from my African-American counterparts, I try to grab something cultural-wise about how each culture does business and what's successful and how can I implement that yeah. to my, and own, life, and my own business strategy. Yeah, and that's what I love, Amika. I mean, I really appreciate you dropping that on the parlay. Um, I think that that whoever's listening to this parlay, even on Facebook live streaming, um, they're going to get something from that because I think that a lot of times um, cultures, different cultures feel that they only have to stay and work and do business with that specific culture. And that's how they're only going to be successful. I mean, you probably see that with a lot of Asians and, you know, Africans and all different types. But if, if the world, if the nation had a different mindset, and looked at things as, hey, we can work together, you know, Hispanics and, and, and Blacks or Blacks and Asians, and the world would be an entirely different place. And if the youth, going back to the youth of this generation, pick that up at an early age, it'll change the whole demographic across the entire nation. Right. Big time. Tony, I see you. Go ahead, man. You know what I noticed when I went to France, and it, I found it really profound. Here in California, we're so close to the border of Mexico, right? And so we tend to see the 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 workers that are doing the labor jobs, the labor intensive jobs, tend to be Hispanic, right? They tend to be, and the taxi drivers tend to be Middle Eastern, and and the hotels and and motels tend to be Indian. And I started wondering why is this happening? 
And then I went over to France and I saw that what I thought would be, you know, cause not thinking about it, you know, the Hispanics would be across the globe as those workers, but that's not true in France. It's the Africans that are doing what the Hispanics are doing here. Can you address how culture is not so much skin tone or language, but it's, it's money. Money decides where people fit in classes. You want to address that? Yeah. So, so the same thing that's happening, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. The same thing that's happening between the U.S. and Mexico is happening between France or Europe and Africa. Because Africans can come to Europe. It's close enough, eight-hour flight, where they can come and stay illegally. And because you're illegal and you don't have the proper paperwork, you take whatever job that's, that's available to you, right? And majority of the time when you see like the Hispanics here, kind of terms like either it started like that and that just kind of becomes the, the more accessible job and they've built a chain of people that know everybody within that industry where I can just say, hey, you go do this because I know you and I know you. that becomes, and in France, it's become that where like, you know, it's close enough where with the exchange rate, an African can come over, work for a couple months, and that money is big, and they can send that back and do major things with it. And that's what you see between Mexico and and US. I like that. All right. Yeah. So um others as well. A- any other questions? Vaughn, Vaughn, you, you have anything you want to say out there in ATL, man? Or any others here as well. So yeah, and Vaughn, we're, we're expanding to, to Atlanta this year. Um, we actually have like our future partners coming to this show, so we're gonna expand. There's gonna be a Lagos ATL, uh, come December. So, man, that's good stuff. If you're in Atlanta, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, so we're coming up on the last two minutes. Uh, we have quite a few people. Oh, Marcy, I see you raising your hand. Go ahead, Marcy. You're from Mika. I've heard that China is pouring a lot of money into Nigeria. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That is very correct. And what kind of impact might it have? I hear some of the United Nations countries are worried. I'm, I, I think all of Africa is worried. And if anybody that's reasonable and understands the history of Africa and, and foreign investments, you know, should be worried about that, you know? I um, mean, it's not just happening in Nigeria, it's happening all over Africa. So we are worried, we're watching closely and hopefully, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, for yeah, something good and not not um for the worst but yeah, yeah we got big big Vaughn in atlanta raising his hand there you go Vaughn. at atl stand up stand up yes sir hi amika how you doing i'm um, well good good i have a question for you in terms of um business opportunities between the continent of africa and uh, communities over here in America. Do you see that expanding more in the future, especially in terms of, let's say, you know, you come over here and you're looking for local photographers and things like that. Do you see more of those kind of relationship building? Yeah. Between Africa and America? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, it's going to take a lot of education. You know, it's going to take a lot of networking um, for that to expand. 
but I do see a lot of that collaboration happening. You know, for example, half of my team is, is African-American. So because I see the, the, the benefit, I see the benefit, right? Because there are things that I think of that are probably not applicable, you know, because I think Africa, they just beat like business into your head that sometimes you forget some of the other skills that you need um, as a business to succeed. And, you know, looking into that collaboration, I think makes sense. But that collaboration, I think doesn't stop just here in the US. I think it expands. Um, the woman that I was talking about earlier that travels, her business partner is in Nigeria and Nigeria and in Nigeria. So they do business globally. They go to Haiti, they go everywhere. You know, so those business, especially right now with the, the dollar rate being so high, you know, with, with $100,000, you can do so much. Like you can do insane amount of business back there. You know, here it's not, it's very easy for us to raise funds, right? There, no bank is giving you loans. You know, it doesn't matter, wow. you know, they only give you loans if you have collateral that's equivalent to the loan that they're giving you, which doesn't make any sense. So, um, so that's why, again, in Africa, the rich continue to get richer, you know, because you have the collateral, then you can go borrow more money, but the poor doesn't have that collateral to put up in the first place. So yeah. Man, that's um, I think as we expand, you know, I might encourage men for, I wish I could, I could, do it tomorrow is to take every single person back there so they can see the business opportunities. A lot of business opportunities that could be started with very little money. Hold up, let me see. I'm trying to like uh, connect my Bluetooth there. There you go, go. solid, man. You're solid. Go ahead, man. Can you hear me now? Okay, my question because I think the speakers about the value is uh, it was about as far as like that because we were talking about France and Spain and I was watching the Olympics a lot and I see now there's a lot of African immigrants on Spain, on Italy, on France. In London, I know in the beginning of the years there weren't that many immigrants on the team. So how do you feel about that now that they've kind of seen like you think it's more for just like for the win I, or for inclusion? This is what I'm gonna give you an example. I think I was. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I I was like that diversity. Um guy at Chase when I was at Chase. So I was a diversity PR like image when I was in my department at Chase, right? So whenever like they needed to show that they were diverse, like, hey, look, there's a black guy, he's in management, go talk to the people, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's good and bad to it. The good of it is you get that opportunity. The bad of it is a lot of time it's not done with good intent. So um, I think the question that I was asking is why are these people not going back to their country of citizenship to go represent that, those countries? You know, that's, that's more question that I had more than them being added. Because if you're a citizen of any country, yeah, you, you have that right, you own that right and the country can use you as a, as a, uh, an, uh, a representative so because you are a citizen so i don't know what intent i can't speak for them but i think i'm more curious as to why they will have an olympic runner that's from nigeria born and raised in, in nigeria representing a different 
country. That's that's what my curiosity is. That's good stuff. Good stuff. We are we are man on our last question here. Tony Bodie, I see you raising your hand. And uh, man, you, you, you're going to close us out right here, Tony, on this one. This is an amazing parlay. Amika held it down. We got everybody, man, so much participation. Big ups. Go ahead. Right. So when we say African, right, Africa being a continent, um, and we tend to think in countries, um, and we know South Africa is very different than East Africa and West mm-hmm. Africa. And obviously, Northern Africa has a lot of Arabic influence and Middle Eastern yeah. influence. So when you say Africa as a whole, I know being Romanian, I'm not accepted in Romania as a Romanian because I'm not from there, nor did I learn the language, nor do I know the culture, and they want to keep their culture pure. And I know a lot of people don't let um, their community date outside of their community. And, you know, I've dated Persian women and their family is not happy about that. I've dated Armenians and and I've dated, you know, African-Americans and I've dated um, Asian updated all cultures and I see most of the cultures don't like the blending the melding the variety that's happening here in America but here's my question when you say African that encompasses all of Africa but there's so many different cultures so how do you how do you feel from the region that you're in and the country you're from how do you feel about the marrying of different cultures coming together and the blending pot we have here in the United States? How do you feel about the merging of cultures and the merging of, of, of skin tone and the merging of, of everything here? I, again, I can't speak for anybody. I feel like, again, the world is a smaller place, you know, because of social media and the era. So you, you're entitled to go marry, do whatever you want. But there's also purists and, and people that feel like we can find ways to preserve the culture within Africa and, and my region by letting people marry. Because if you marry somebody from the same region, you're able to pass that culture down to your kids, right? Especially for those that are overseas. If you marry somebody that's none of that then you're losing part of that culture and then by the next generation it's gone Um, I think there's a lot happening to try to preserve that but there's also a lot of tensions between cultures between tribes between regions where they don't want that to happen either because of past history or lack of trust or whatever the case is you know that that still happens today but um, again I'm, I'm, hey, if it works for you and you're happy, big ups to you. Go, go to you. And, and <laughs> well, thank you for being here. here. Thank you for being at the parlay. We really appreciate it. Nah, that's great thank stuff. You, we got, we got this one was, last this exact, Yeah, exact. we got one last hand raise. Vaughn, man, this is a Vaughn. hot topic. Amika, man, you, you hot topic, bro. Hot topic right <laughs> I'm now. I'm hot tonight. Yeah, you hot tonight. Hey, Vaughn, go ahead, man. ATL. <laughs> yeah, this kind of piggybacks on um, a question Tony posed earlier. What do you think the line is drawn between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation? Um, because I know uh, if someone Caucasian over here were to get dreadlocks or things like that, you know, a lot of African-Americans, my fellow African-Americans, we get upset about it, you know, because we're saying they're appropriating the culture. Mm-hmm. So, um, where do you think that line is? If there, if someone is doing it out of respect, and you know they're not 
mocking or anything like that. What do you think that line is really drawing? I was going to use respect as, as the line, you know, um, respected knowledge, right? I'm not going to go do something that I don't know. I think that's a line for me, like trying to speak a language that you don't understand and saying things that you don't understand or what they mean, because within African cultures, there's a lot of, even within my culture, there's a lot of things that run deep, you know, that have like a very deep, you have to really, really know for you to even dive there or go there. So I, I think for me, knowledge and, and respect kind of, you know, is that line. Um, but I, I, I can't think of anything that you're doing and you know well, and you have the respect and you have somebody close by that's advising you that I would see as, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. And you know what, everybody, we, we, this was super hot. This was an amazing parlay. Um, for those of you, everybody that's on Facebook, uh, that will be listening to this stream, viewing it, please share it. Um, that's how the word gets out. Um, so once again, amazing Amika having you on board, man, the parlay network. Amazing, man. Hope everybody can come to the event. Um, if you're able to make the event this weekend, please reach out to Damian. Let's, let's create some kind of discount code for the tickets um, for for your listeners. And, you know, hope Sounds to see good. you. Tony, I hope you can make it. Well, I'm <laughs> there in California. Can you live stream it on Zoom? And I'll, I'll be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> you have a week. <laughs> yeah. No week. So once again, yeah, everybody, if, if you definitely are, are looking to go to the event, uh, coming up, uh, Amika, the uh, name of the event is again, fashion? Fashion, in the, fashion in the Sky. Fashion in the Sky. Uh, definitely uh, send an email to uh, info, uh, excuse me, at uh, conversate at parlayallday.com. And uh, definitely get your information over to Amika as well. Uh, super excited for those of you that are not following the Parlay Network, please do so at parlayallday.com. That's P-A-R-L-E, allday.com. Pass the word to your friends and family. And uh, we do this every Tuesday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'd like to thank everybody who's joined us on the Zoom session. Those of you as well on Facebook Live, pass the word. And remember to parlay all day. We'll see you next week, everybody. You guys take care. Stay safe. Amika, appreciate Thank you, you my brother. Me. Stay safe, man. All Thanks, right. guys. Stay safe. Nice meeting you. All right. Take care, y'all. Bye-bye.